Well, welcome to the podcast. Uh, we thought we'd record a little bit of stuff up front for the podcast because we love you guys more than you could possibly know. We wanted to tell you a little bit about what we're going to do play-by-play-wise on this week's show. Now, we'll start the show as normal and we'll go through everything, but what are we going to talk about on this week's show? Jen, your mic's not turned on. Hi, Nick. <laughs> Uh, we're gonna, I'm going to give you a hard time, by the way, about the truck you drove into the studio. Just you have to stand by for that because I want everyone to know what I have to deal with on a week-to-week basis with Jen and her trucks. By the way, when was the last time that you towed your boat with your truck? Really? We're going to do this? No, we're not. We're not. <laughs> Everybody loves to hear me give you a, a super hard time just, you know, talking about that. Um, I am excited the fact that we get to talk about Polestar this week because they have a concept car out there that's the first one to use Android Auto. So we're going to do that. We're going to talk to uh, Gregory Hambra, Hembra, who is uh, the guy that's in charge of Polestar in the United States. He's a cool dude. He's in California. I'm going to ask him some tough questions about Polestar, though. Does it have viability? Uh, I also want to talk to you about baby names. Did you ever consider calling your son Stephen something after a car? No. You called your cat after a car. Or give your cats. Both of them are, yeah. What are they? Enzo Pagani and, well, and Aria Isabella, which Nissan just recently came out with the Aria concept. Did they, when you named her, or did you no, name her No, I named her first. Well, what was Aria named after? Well, Aria is an Italian sonnet. Oh. Someone who sings alone, so that's why I named it. Yeah. That makes sense. All Italian. Uh, there is a new version of the Hyundai Sonata. It's called the HEV, but really what it means is the hybrid electric vehicle, HEV. Some people call them PHEVs, partial hybrid electric vehicles. Mm-hmm. But uh, I got 64 plus miles a gallon out of it. Yep. And I how heard. much did you get out of it uh, on the truck when you drove the Nissan Titan over here? 7.9. Yeah, we'll talk about that too yeah. on the show. Uh, I'm a fan <laughs> of Mini Takes the States. I've driven it the last two uh, versions. It happens every two years. It was 2016, 2018. was supposed to be this year. They, of course, had to move it because of COVID-19. But Michael Payton, who is the big cheese over at Mini, in fact, there is nobody higher a Mini in the United States. He will tell us the amount of work it gets to pull that together. I was very proud to do the launch uh, two years ago in Portland, Oregon, of Mini Takes Estates. Uh, Drive for Design, which is uh, FCA's, Fiat Chrysler Automobiles, is designed. I think we can get hold of Mark Trossel and have him on the show today. And uh, Anton Warman is going to tell us a little bit about uh, some cool stuff, but also the fact there's some really bad stuff happening in the auto industry. I mean, really bad stuff. And potentially millions of cars could be entering the market from fleets that are no longer being used. So there could be some super cheap cars out there. And I'll tell you, if you're looking for a new vehicle, this might be your key to pick up something at way below market value. Should we start the show, Jen? I think we should. All right, let's uh, let's push the button. This, this is the Our Auto Expert Podcast. Find us on air, online, on mobile, and on your smart speaker. Please subscribe at ourautoexpert.com. Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Now, here's the host of Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Nick Miles. Locally created, nationally celebrated from the northwest to the southeast, this is America's Car Radio Show. If you have a throttle, we'll feature it on air, online, on mobile, or on smart speaker. This is our auto expert. I'm your host, Nick Miles, along with truck girl Jen, who drove a truck in today which didn't belong to her. Exactly. 
Are you okay? You smile. <laughs> How could you be so happy? Because I drove the 2020 Nissan Titan. Uh, the 2020 Nissan Titan has been dropped off. It's the backdrop for our uh, Rides 2 show, Living Off the Grid. And so we've been filming it all week. I've had uh, my dogs in it. Uh, we've been doing a lot of filming across the country with it. Uh, Mike Cordell, who's my partner in our auto expert, also has the identical truck, except his has fishing gear on. They asked me, uh, Janelle from Nissan said, if I send you the Nissan Titan to uh, use in your show, would you like the fishing gear sent from our East Coast office to feature in it? And I'm like, no. I what love I fishing, do? but you can't fish right now anyways. Right. Everything, all the boat ramps are shut down. See, right. So why would I want fishing gear? Exactly. I mean, if you live in a state, which Mike lives in Tennessee. So if you live in a state where you can fish, I could have taken the fishing gear, but I don't fish. So, no, that's a no. That's a hard no. If she'd said, hey, would you like, um, you know, a video game console set up in the back? All right. Hands up. Yes, please. Thank you. Uh, but she didn't. She said fishing gear. So I said no. Uh, so you drove in the, the Titan. I did. And? Would you own one? Of course. I love that thing. You do? <laughs> yeah. All right. Give me all your three vehicles and we'll give you a Titan. No. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that would fall apart really quickly. Yeah. Maybe one. But I'm not what? getting rid of my Camaro. Your three thousand dollar truck for a fifty thousand no, dollar truck. I'm talking about my Camaro. I'm not giving that up. All right. Sorry. Yeah, because you drive. So, it so I got. How, when was the last time you drove your Camaro? This is the Nick's really tough on Jen part of the show. <laughs> I know. I love the first segment of the show. Um, it needs some help, and I'm having a hard time trying to find someone to fix it. What about a crusher? Would that work? Hey, <laughs> it's just my throwout bearing. That's all. With throwout bearing and a throwout car. Hey. Hey. That's not very nice. Oh, angry. Your truck looks pretty good in the parking lot. It's bright red. Oh, it's covered in pollen. Yeah. So you going to let me talk about it? Go. Okay. Come on, man. So it's a three. I'll, I'll just be here if you need me. It's a 5.6 liter direct injected gasoline engine, 32 valve V8, which was pretty cool. Um, originally, when I got in it this morning, it said it was 14.1 miles per gallon. Yeah, that's what I did. Yeah. Um, 7.9 yeah, for me. Great. Okay. <laughs> I just showed you a picture of the car I drove in today, the dash that I took. I have the Hyundai Sonata um, hybrid. Yes. I'm excited that you have that thing, too. And I got 64.5 miles a gallon. It has a solar roof, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mine had a moon, I can get mine had a moon roof. <laughs> I can get 800 miles, uh, 800 miles on a single, uh, just from the roof, the solar roof, can give me up to 800 miles a year kind of speakers did you have i had fender no i didn't put the sound system i heard you had fender across the parking lot thank you i love it i have bill steen shocks yep (laughs) intelligent cruise control there's jen like she's at a rave exactly hey it's a busy show today jen i know i got a lot of stuff to talk about uh wherever you are in the country we got some surprising news for you uh but also some escapism from all of the COVID-19. We're going to talk to the head of Polestar. His name is Gregor Hembra. Hembra? Gregor Hembra. We're going to talk about the uh, new Polestar vehicles. Uh, also, we're going to talk about uh, the, this vehicle that I just mentioned. Uh, the senior manager for product planning, Michael Evanoff, is going to join us from Hyundai to talk about the Sonata HEV, which is its official name. Uh, Michael Payton is going to join us as well. Mini Takes the States, which is a great event that Megan and I do every couple of years. Um, It's been not canceled, but it's been postponed a year. Now, it normally happens in June. 
and you drive basically hundreds of miles. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's a caravan of amazing minis. Uh, it's a great event. It's really great. But uh, they just don't feel that, that it's fair to do it this year because people won't be able to afford to go. They're asking hotels to do it. I and mean, we don't know if things will be back to normal by June. So uh, they have suspended it for a year. I'm not going to talk about the suspension. It's suspended. It's going to be another year. But I want to talk to Michael Payton about how amazingly difficult this event is to put on because they have thousands of people joining them on this huge drive and you have breakdowns and you have car uh, issues and you have uh, hotels and you have food and you have gas issues and you have uh, you know parties to arrange for thousands of people so it's a massive massive marketing exercise Sounds for like many fun. to put on it does sound like fun. Mm-hmm. It is fun. But we're going to find out what it is to put on Mini Texas States and why they had to move it. Uh, Drive for Design, which is Fiat Chrysler Automobiles design competition. Mm-hmm. It happens every year. And with a lot of kids stuck at home now, if you possibly have a design gene in your body, this could be a show for you to get involved in uh, or a a project for you to get involved in because drive for design is something that they do all the time and you want to be aware of what goes on and what the parameters are so you could have the possibility of walking away with an internship at FCA. And guess what they get to design this year? Uh, truck. Yes, the yeah. Ram 1500. Right. Mm. Let's see how much of that ends up in the real thing. Yeah. Uh, and Anton Wallman's going to join us. And it's going to be a, a very interesting day today because I discovered something this week. So car rental companies are not renting cars. They're basically sitting there. All those people that will be on vacation or on work, uh, work trips around the country, they're not there. So this stock is sitting idle in parking lots of airports across the country. These companies are losing money. They have employees to pay. They have rents to pay. They're losing money. They could sell off their stock to keep afloat, their stock of cars. Does that mean we are going to get millions of secondhand vehicles dumped into the market at incredibly low prices? It could happen. Anton's going to answer that question. Bunch of other questions. There could be time for a good deal, apart from buying a new vehicle, which are really good zero, uh, zero financing deals. But... Car sales are down to zero in countries like Spain who have been hit the hardest with uh, automotive uh, sales because of the Corona-19 virus. What's going to happen in the United States? We know that it dropped about 50% for some companies during March. It could be even worse. So that's a good look at what we got coming up on the show. It's going to be exciting. Just want to shout out to all of those people that have joined the Our Auto Expert Mafia uh, this <laughs> week because we've had so many new followers on social, so many new followers on the podcast, so many new followers online. If you want to check it out, go to OurAutoExpert.com. Searches on social, O-U-R-A-U-T-O-E-X-P-E-R-T. We'll be right there for you. You're listening to Our Auto Expert. Catch up with previous episodes of the show on our website, OurAutoExpert.com. You can hear all the past shows, see our automotive videos, and read insider car stories about your next ride. You'll find it all at OurAutoExpert.com. Gregory Hembro is the head of Polestar North America. They've been making quite a lot of news around the world because of some of the interesting things that they're doing with car design, car technology. Uh, one of the things that I found super interesting is the Polestar 
Precept uh, vehicle, which is uh, probably one of the best looking vehicles I've seen. It sort of takes the electric car uh, idea and advances it uh, huge amounts forward, has uh, a vegan interior. I'm sure this is probably what all the media go running to. Vegan interior? How does it taste? Gregory, how does it taste? Does it taste good? Haven't tried it myself, Nick. Good morning. How are you today? <laughs> Great. Uh, this is a this is a pretty interesting idea of doing uh, vegan interiors. We always associate vegans, I guess, with eating, but vegans is actually the lack of animal products in somebody's life. And you've decided to go that way with this new precept. It is. It's it's obviously something that when we look in consumer insights, it's a growing, growing awareness and a growing and growing following throughout the throughout the world or the globe. And um, again, we see that this is one of the things that our consumers are looking forward as they go forward. Uh, it also fits right in with sustainability as well. So when we talk about the precept, there's a there's a number of core messages messages, excuse me, that go around the precept, and one of them is sustainability, of course. Now, the idea behind this as well is that the fact that. You know, you're obviously using materials that can be recycled and in that sustainability uh, light. But at the same time, uh, the benefit is the interior components are reduced in weight, which, of course, means less energy uh, used, which means, you you know, less energy is farmed to to power the vehicle. So was that uh, something that was looked at initially or was it just discovered during the process of development? No, it was certainly discovered initially as well. Uh, within the sustainability, these composite materials that we're using, along with one of our partners called BComp, uh, we saw that we would actually have a re- interior component weight reduction by almost 50%. And the other nice thing is it's an 80% reduction in plastic. So not only are you talking about sustainability, not only are you talking about weight reduction, but because of all those two components, um, you also end up with a far greater range in the future as well. Let's talk a little bit about the the ideas behind Polestar because we know initially that this was uh, an arm of Volvo as it started with a trim level for their vehicles. You evolved out to be the sort of premium alternative powered uh, company from Volvo. Uh, and and it, it didn't take long, uh, even though Polestar was around for many years as a trim level of Volvo cars, uh, it accelerated into its own brand in such a short time and had major successes. That is the case. So 2017, we we introduced the Polestar as a brand to the world, debuted in Shanghai with the advent of the Polestar 1. And it was a clear, significant step forward for the Volvo car company and Geely Automotive as well to introduce its own brand, which symbolizes, excuse me, pure progressive performance and specifically all cars with some sort of electrification going forward. The idea now is that uh, Polestar is a sort of a world brand, as Volvo is, uh, but it, it's there's a lot in China that uh, makes this brand viable. Uh, the Chinese are trying to move away from using fossil fuels uh, much more than the rest of the world is, uh, also Europe as well. The United States but has always been one of the best luxury markets, so you're playing in these two fields. Is that going to mean success around the world, or is there any specific countries that Polestar is going to to find a good home in? No, we start to see this growing around the world very clearly. As you're indicating, there are some markets that are a little bit more advanced with the adaptation than others. 
Uh, but when I, when I believe you take a look at it, the three main continents that we'll be focusing on are obviously Europe, North America, and China. Um, as you indicate, China is leading very quickly as far as electrification goes, and there's numerous brands that won't even arrive into the U.S. marketplace that are being debuted in, in China. And I think that's a discussion for a different topic. But uh, Polestar, the, the primary markets for Polestar from a volume perspective will naturally be China, simply because of the uh, sales, a seasonally adjusted sales rate in China and in the U.S. is the second two viable markets and two very, very important markets for Polestar from a global theater. I'm looking at a lot of these car companies who are fairly new, like Polestar, and they tend to follow a trend, but Polestar's not doing that. It's actually setting a lot of trends. Uh, first of all, you guys evolutionized how some of these infotainment systems are used because you use Android as your operating system inside this vehicle, and that was a key step for Polestar. Absolutely. With, with the advent of Polestar 2, which is arriving to U.S. showrooms this summer, we've already started production on the car. Uh, we will team up with Google and use Android embedded technology with Polestar 2. And that infotainment and that digital technology will be a staple of Polestar moving forward uh, with all the subsequent products that will be coming out as well. So um, the things such as Google Assistant or the ability to say, um, okay, Google, or hello, Google, to get your features working, such as anything from map directions to changing the climate settings, those will all be part of the, uh, the, the Polestar platform going forward. I'm sure you didn't plan this because of social distancing, but you also have the ability to video stream service uh, in parked vehicles. That is the case. That is the case, and you'll see some of those attributes not only in Polestar 2, but with the conversation that we started with, the precept, it, it actually takes it to a far greater level. So you would see the evolution of what we see today coming in Polestar 2 and then migrating and evolving into something that you'll see in the Polestar precept concept, things such as naturally what you spoke about, video streaming, but things such as proximity sensors for when the, the driver goes closer to the screen, certain apps and icons will actually enlarge. They're very intuitive. They know the driver is going to select them, so they actually expand so the driver has a quick ease to access them without taking their eyes off of the road. Um, and then other things talking about eyes, such things as ocular tracking on the, on the digital technology with the precept. And these are all things that we'll be looking forward to bringing onto the platform very shortly. Now, we, we often look at these car companies who have amazing uh, ideas of what a future car looks like. Um, you know, what's the chances of the precept as it is arriving at markets? Or will it be a slightly different version? Or will it arrive at all? Well, it's, it's interesting because if you look at the word precept in itself, the, the definition is a, a rule intended to perform, inform, excuse me, um, behavior or thought, uh, sort of declaring how you mean to go forward. And for us, it's a real manifesto of things to come, and uh, very similar to the declaration I just spoke. So we have been, well, we've revealed that the Polestar 3 is coming within a, within a couple of years, and that's going to be a uh, crossover-like SUV. And I am certain that you'll see design cues and also attributes that are being debuted in the precept that'll be following along with, with Polestar 3. And um, perhaps some similar products down the road as well. 
I'm excited. I have to tell you, uh, Greggy, that I, I very rarely get knocked down by a vehicle that I really want to drive and really want to own. And um, I, I know JP's been promising to get the, the Polestar up to me, the Polestar uh, 1 and 2 uh, when they arrive, uh, up to me to, to test drive. And it's probably one of the most exciting vehicles that are arriving on U.S. shores for a long time. Uh, Gregory, thank you so much for taking some time out to join us. The uh, You can find out more, of course, at Polestar's website about the Polestar Precept in detail. Uh, but you can also see the Polestar 1 and the Polestar 2. Uh, the 2, as he told us, is arriving at dealers sometime in the next few months, six, eight months. Uh, we'll have to see how well that does. Uh, it's obviously a world car, and it's a luxury car. And, of course, it comes with all of those things that Volvo is famous for. I love the precept, and I love the idea that it would be an SUV as well in the future. It's a great-looking vehicle. It's got some intuitive designs, and I will also tell you the technology in this thing. If it comes to fruition, it's going to be something I'd want in my driveway. More Our Auto Expert coming up. You're listening to the Our Auto Expert podcast. Our auto experts on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can start a conversation with us. A car question? Ask it. Direct messages at our O U R Auto A U T O Expert E X P E R T. Thank you for all the new social media and website followers. You can also sign up at the website to get a weekly news email brief, which gives you all the latest stories and videos from our TV stations around the country. So now, car companies who sell cars online or do car search engines online, of which they earn money from, like uh, ChooseMyCar.com, have been doing surveys to try and get interest in their site. Uh, but one of the surveys I noticed which was very interesting and I sent to Jen, said we should talk about this on the show, is the names of children that are also car names. Now, with us all uh, staying at home right now, the likelihood is there's going to be a massive baby boom in around nine to ten months from now. Either that or divorce rate might go up. Well, that'll go up anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but there'll be a massive baby boom and uh, babies will be looking for new names. So, Car names for boys, the number one is Austin, uh, but it's also a city, we should note as well. There's Hunter Cooper Devin, D-E-V-I-N. But these are all car names. Car names. 64,000 boys have the name Devin last year. Mm -hmm. There's uh, in the top 10 also Hudson, Lincoln, Bentley, Holden, Cruz, and Colt. All fairly acceptable names. Colt is around 12,000. Then there is the least popular names. Five children in the United <laughs> States of America are called Subaru. And Chevrolet. Chevrolet. <laughs> they have the least numbers. Yep. But then some people are also calling their kids things which I have a huge hard time with. Continuing, number three, Cadillac. Four, least popular Mercedes, which is more like a girl's name. Yeah. Alpha is number five. Derby is number six. Wraith, which I find very disturbing, I is love number it. seven. Wraith is also an evil ghost. I know, but that is just so cool. Hi, son. You're an evil ghost. No. <laughs> number eight is very head-scratching, too. Nissan. 29 boys in the United States are called Nissan. And, I'm, I'm and sorry. 29 it's, boys are also called Jaguar. Jaguar. <laughs> Jaguar. And Avante rounds out to the least popular as the number 10. If you go to girls' names for the United States, they're fairly obvious. 
Uh, Morgan is number one, followed by Mercedes Hunter, which is also on the boy scale. Devon, which is also on the boy scale. Lexus, a lot less, by the way. 96,000 called Morgan. We're down to around uh, 4,000 called Devon, which is number four. Number five on the list, Lexus, followed by Bentley, then Al- Alba, Austin, Cooper, around uh, 1,500, and Tesla, about 1,300. Tesla. Not sure it's a great name for a girl. Least, least, least popular on the girls. Yeah, that's bad. Number one, Mini, which is not really a car name, Mini driver. I am not sure that that Mini is. Uh, Anyway. Yeah. uh, Number two, Strange Head Scratcher, Ford. McLaren's pretty cool. Alpha number four, 21 girls. Ferrari, 23 girls. Aston, and 55 girls. Uh, Zephyra? Mm -hmm. Zephyra? Zephyra. It's not Zephyr, it's Zafra. Zafra. Zafra, 72. <laughs> Noble, 111. Astra, which is a UK form of the Opel Vauxhall, mm-hmm. uh, which was, was a GM product, it's now an FCA product. And uh, 10 girls called Audi. Uh, sorry, number 10 is Audi, girls 133, which I find very interesting. By the way, the number one in the UK for uh, names of cars most common uh, the UK and the US is is together is uh, Austin and the least popular is Subaru. If you put both countries together, um, I, you can actually go back and look at the UK numbers as well uh, for UK births. Morgan is number one, but only fifteen thousand. The least popular three, in the top three places, are McLaren, Dodge, and Chevy. Now, I'm surprised they don't have like Pagani. I think that's a cool Triumph name. Uh, for for a name for uh, boys in the UK. I like Triumph. Yeah. I think so. Healy, no. Nah. Noble, no. Nah. Lexus, no. Nah. Jazz, Jazz, and Kia. <laughs> hey. Chevy. There's Kia. three boys named Chevy. Yeah, that's the top three. Yeah. Uh, the most popular Morgan. And then if you go down to girls in the UK, Morgan is also the most popular. It's boys and girls, by mm-hmm. the way, in the UK. The most popular. The least popular girl's name is Triumph. Some, they uh, named Lotus. 50, Lotus. 59 boys in the UK named Lotus. Isn't that a bug? It's, like, it's a bit of like Locust. Lotus. Yeah, it's a car. I know it is. Aston, Porsche. Uh, and boys called Porsche. Evora. Jazz, Lexus. Clio. Boys called Clio. Is this boys' names or girls' names? Oh, girls, thank God for that. <laughs> and even your boy Cleo, that's really a, good luck not getting bullied in school. Anyway, it's, it's just interesting to find the most common baby names out there. All right, we have more on our auto expert to come. Stand by. You're going to enjoy the next segment. We're going to talk about a car I've been driving, the new Sonata HEV. 64 miles a gallon I got. You're listening to our auto expert. Are you thinking about changing your car? Read some of the most informative car reports and see videos that we've made for our TV stations on new tech, religious cars, and even download the nation's car radio podcast at ourautoexpert.com. So I am still having press cars delivered, which I'm getting to test drive and talk about on the radio show and on the TV stations around the country. And one of them that I got delivered recently 
I'm pretty excited about uh, for a number of reasons. It was the first event cancelled due to the COVID-19, which was on my calendar list, but it was the unveiling of the North American uh, uh, car for the media to drive, which is the 2020 Sonata Hybrid. And I got it delivered in my driveway, especially so I could talk about it on this radio show with a returning guest who has been on before and is back again to tell us all about it. The 2021, I should say, Sonata HEV, Michael Evanoff joining us. Uh, he is the Senior Manager for Product Planning. So I uh, just sent you the photo of the MPG yeah. that I was getting, Michael. Uh, were you surprised? Uh, not too much. Um, the, the miles per gallon on this car is really impressive, as is the range. Um, yeah, you actually overachieved a little bit more than uh, that I was expected, but um, yeah, definitely the uh, with the 52 combined uh, EPA rating, uh, you overachieved. But it does deliver fantastic fuel economy, and it's you know, like I said, like a, a, a no compromise vehicle. So, so the story behind it is, I'll which tell is you. surprising for you to get that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for because, me, for me personally, yeah, because yes. I have a lead foot. He does. Uh, so, <laughs> so uh, yeah. I, I have to, I have to give the parameters and what I got for fuel economy. Uh, the car was just delivered from Drive Shop, and they dropped it in my driveway, and I got into it and drove to the doctor's office to pick up a prescription for my spouse. Uh, at 9.3 miles, and uh, it took me, by the way, you can tell how bad the traffic was in the middle of the day, 37 minutes. 9.3 miles got 64.6 miles per gallon. And I kept looking at that going, is it, what am I doing? Is this, something, is this, is this instant, in, instant fuel economy? No, it's <laughs> average fuel economy. Uh, so listen, how could anybody buy, not buy this vehicle who wants to save on fuel economy, uh, Michael? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's got all the technology, all this, you know, fantastic styling. Um, you know, the, uh, the trunk capacity is same, is basically the same as the gasoline-only only version. Um, so you've got all the technology, all the safety features. It's just, it's, it's a fantastic package because you get everything uh, plus the additional um, added fuel economy bonus as well. So let's talk about the things that are different from the regular Sonata Hybrid. I and mean, the regular Sonata Hybrid, uh, you know, fully equipped, uh, is still less expensive than an Audi A4 base model. Uh, where does the mm -hmm. pricing start on the Sonata Hybrid? Well, we'll announce uh, pricing closer to launch, uh, which should be should be starting to show up in dealerships around June. Um, the gas the gasoline only version is um, starts at twenty three six. So obviously there's a, a slight price premium for the hybrid version, but once we get closer to, to uh, launch, we'll announce uh, official pricing at that point. And what's different between the two vehicles? Because uh, I know that there's some slight differences. The one is obvious from looking at the vehicle. It has a solar roof. Yeah, the solar roof is probably the biggest external difference. Um, both the 16-inch and the 17-inch alloy wheel have a slightly different um, design, a little bit more aerodynamic. That that contributes to the reduced uh, coefficient of drag uh, and the badge on the back. But the solar roof is really the uh, the only really issue as, uh, as far as um, differentiation because you don't have to make the car unique <clears throat> to be you know eco-friendly or green. Uh, we want it to be you know very mainstream. And that solar roof is really cool because from like 20 feet away, it looks just like a normal panoramic roof, especially on a lighter color with the, with the contrast. But as you approach the vehicle, um, you see the circuit board in it and everything. It's just a really cool uh, high-tech design element that's actually very functional as well. Now, I think uh, there was a, original estimates of around 800 miles a year that you can get out of the solar roof. It might not be quite that high. What, what, what is the benefit of having the solar roof? 
so yeah, the solar roof it's it's um, <clears throat> it's very dependent on sun load, uh, and depending on where you are uh, in the United States, obviously you know here, uh, here on the West Coast versus the East Coast, um, on average about five or six hours of sun a day will give you an additional two miles per ra- of range that's basically free. Um, so we actually uh, one of our powertrain engineers from um, that was going to be at the media event that we were going to have that unfortunately was was canceled and we had to go you know to a virtual media event calculated there in north hollywood it was worth about almost 1300 miles uh, a year of additional range just from the solar roof and the solar roof is working all the time both you know even when the vehicle's off uh, it prevents discharge of both the hybrid battery and the 12 volt battery that's integrated with the, the hybrid battery as well so it's so as long as you got sun it's always working so you might as well take advantage of it now, the, the original, uh, I would say the non-hybrid version of the 2021 Sonata, uh, it has a very interesting black grille, but the one I have as a test drive model has sort of silver lines through the grille. Is that just mm-hmm. a different form of the grille, or is that something that comes on every hybrid? Uh, that's for every hybrid. That's a little bit different execution of the grille. The opening shape is very similar, uh, but there's actually three active air flaps behind that grille uh, that are working that also contributes um, to a lower coefficient of drag. Uh, the drag on the gasoline-only vehicle is about 0.27, whereas the hybrid drops down to 0.24. So a lot of work was put into those active air flaps, uh, you know, the, the silhouette of the body itself, but also, you know, air flows over the top, but it also flows underneath as well, just the same. So there's a lot of uh, panels underneath and uh, to make the, the vehicle, you know, very aerodynamic, and that's what contributes to, you know, you can get up to that 54 MPG rating uh, on the highway. I think uh, the most significant thing about both uh, Sonatas for 2021 is obviously the front-end design. Uh, We can start with the headlights because they are something that has got a lot of attention. You've used this sort of mirrored chrome uh, strip down the sides of the hood, and halfway up that strip, or about a third of the way up that strip, it actually is not chrome. It's a light, and at night you can see it makes the front of the car look completely different from anything else on the market. Yeah, that's been kind of a design <clears throat> hallmark for uh, Sonata in the past. So they really, <clears throat> excuse me, worked on it for for this generation for the 2020 Sonata. So it starts at the base of the headlight, and then yeah, it travels up over over the hood, and then we call it the dynamic lasso. It wraps around the whole you know daylight opening area, which is where the the passenger glass is. But the the LED DRLs are daytime running lights. Those are actually very finely laser. Um, drilled holes in that piece that's backlit and they control the how many holes in the width of and the diameter of the hole so it kind of not only does it illuminate but it kind of fades away which i think is really cool it's not just you know a hard stop um there's actually like i said they can they can determine you know the size of the holes and the and the, and the spacing and make that light just kind of fade out which i think is a really the light signature on the car both front and rear uh is very unique especially at night you'll definitely definitely take notice and one of the things that you did or that uh, the designers did was they made this uh, look like the, uh, I think, the coupe that everybody wishes that they have. Uh, this has that coupe-like rear end. Yeah, so the silhouette is very uh, coupe-esque-like. Um, you know, we do kind of refer to it as a four-door coupe. But, I mean, there's really no compromise with rear seat packaging. Uh, the engineers worked very diligently to make sure that the, I think it's within two-tenths of an inch uh, of the outgoing model, uh, and rear seat, pack, rear seat headroom is, is definitely on par, or even better than uh, some of the competition. So, you know, and even the battery is relocated to under that rear seat uh, for additional advantages. So a lot of variables at play in there, but still, 
Uh, we always want to make sure the uh, the rear seat occupant is uh, has plenty of room and um, you know is comfortable as well. Now, loaded with the technology as well, uh, everything I think of that I could want on this vehicle is there. First of all, uh, phone is a key. Yeah, Hyundai Digital Key. It's uh, Android-based now. We're working with Apple uh, to add Apple in the future. That's, that'll be coming, but for now it's uh, Android-based. And it's basically an app that you can download. And in addition to the normal keys that you will get, we're not like replacing normal keys. You still have that. Uh, but you'll, you can download the app. You also get an NFC, which is Neil near-field communication card that you keep in your wallet. Uh, but the app allows the Android device to basically unlock the car, start the car. It's just a, a replacement for a key. So if you're in a bind, um, you can always use your phone. You, just, you walk up to the car, you place it within a couple centimeters of the door handle. Uh, it'll unlock. You can get in, drop the phone in the Qi wireless charger, start it up, and then you can move the phone wherever you want once it authenticates the phone. Uh, but you can also share keys with family members, friends, um, so you can send them a digital key to their phone uh, if they need access to the car or borrow the car. You can also revoke that privilege. Um, so just a lot of flexibility that, you know, it's just another option uh, utilizing current technology to give you um, more flexibility to get access and, and to start the car. I think that uh, that has been very undermarketed feature, by the way, by every car company that has that sort of idea is the naughty child. I like to call it the naughty child uh, key uh, <laughs> situation, because if you lend the car to your son or daughter and they start to disobey the curfew, you can just turn the key off and then go pick the car. Exactly. Yep. Yeah, yep. Fi- fi- find your own way home. I'm turning your car off. Yeah. There you go. It yeah. gives amazing power to the parent. Jen, as a parent, would you have liked to be able to turn your son's car key off if you wanted to? <laughs> I, yeah, well, I, it might not have gone down so well with some families, but I think that's a that's a great idea. Now let's ask about this because I know that the initial car that comes out, uh, the initial Sonata that comes out, uh, does not have smart park in it, but that might be added to the hi- the hybrid version in the future. Yeah, well, smart park obviously with the the focus of our of our Super Bowl, Super Bowl ad um, on the gasoline only version. The powertrain in Sonata Hybrid is obviously totally unique from the gas-only version, so there is unique development for Smart Park, and you've got the uh, relationship of the battery to the gasoline engine and when it switches over. So, um, yeah, they're definitely they're working on development for that, and we're looking to add it um, during the life cycle uh, as well. I, I think the idea of uh, the quiet driving, by the way, I noticed when I was backing the car out of the drive <laughs> that it doesn't make any noise. So you've actually substituted it with a, with a sort of uh, I'm in silent mode noise. Yeah, there is uh, a noise. And actually, that's actually adjustable as well. You can go into the menus and I think it's five different levels, um, you know, a little bit of a spaceship sound. Uh, I think the default might be three uh, in the middle, but you can adjust it lower or higher. But, yeah, that's um, regulatory uh, for pedestrian um, um, considerations because you know, all these stealth cars rolling around, you want to make sure uh, you can, they can be heard. I will tell you right now that's really important because as I drive through my neighborhood, there are so many people out uh, walking their dogs, yeah. and yeah. Uh, yeah. my street is full of people. And, of course, uh, I had made, put a smile on my face yesterday. There was a couple uh, walking their dog up and down the street outside my house, and I backed out yesterday. And uh, she was walking fairly slowly with the dog because they had little dogs that were sniffing everything they could. So he was walking mm-hmm. as well as forward side to side on the road, and I, I sort of came up behind them for a second and uh, then, then he heard the sound of the car and was like, oh, get mm-hmm. out of the way. So it probably, it probably is super useful. I actually think yeah. that, that this would be good for you when you drive by me. 
Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. This morning I got to drive the Titan and I had the stereo up just a bit. <laughs> yeah, you should have a you should have a warning sound on all your cars, Jen. Exactly. <laughs> totally. Exactly. Uh, so we're looking at this arriving in dealerships at the end of uh, the end of this summer or the mid mid summertime. Uh, yeah, we're pretty very much maybe end of May, depending on where the dealerships are located, but probably more uh, June uh, full rollout across the country. Last question: You're going to hate me for this, Michael, but um, mm-hmm. you know, with America turning to SUVs, are we going to see a lot of the mm-hmm. cool stuff in this vehicle uh, in your new SUVs coming in the future? He always pushes, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Obviously, that's the the popular uh, popularity of SUVs and with fuel prices where they are right now is huge. Uh, the technology, uh, some of it's already in uh, our Palisade. You know, our, our most recent SUV we launched, right. um, also some of it in, in Venue, yeah. uh, which is at the other end of the spectrum in our in our SUV lineup. Uh, but yeah, we like to share the technology uh, across the full model line. Michael Evanoff from Hyundai, thanks for joining us. You're listening to the Our Auto Expert Podcast. Locally created, nationally celebrated from the northwest to the southeast, this is America's Car Radio Show. If it has a throttle, we'll feature it on air, online, on mobile, or on smart speaker. This is our auto expert. I'm your host, Nick Miles, along with truck girl Jen. Every year, I am a proud, proud uh, participant, or every two years, of Mini Takes the States. This is a great event where Mini drivers every couple of years get together and in convoy drive across North America. I've been honored to be a part of this in 2016 and 2018, uh, enjoying the uh, the sunrises with all the Mini participants stopping off around the country. It's a lot of driving. It's a lot of fun. And was supposed to happen 2020, this year, this summer. But this is a massive event and Mini postponed it and moved it to 2021. Joining us on the phone is Michael Payton. He is the big cheese over at Mini. So, Michael, first of all, um, congratulations. Uh, I know it's been uh, over a year, but uh, your uh, your appointment at Mini, uh, I did notice that uh, your old job, you, you guys had the first motorcycle that probably fit me at BMW that came out in the last week or so. I'm only five foot four, and I'm hankering after that. But we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about Mini Takes the States. That's next week. That's next week. Okay. Exactly. Uh, uh, Michael, listen, uh, Mini Takes the States, uh, obvious why you had to move it, but it's it's was probably a bit of a logistical nightmare the closer we got to the event. Yeah, you know, it was it was that, but it was it was also one of those things where I was trying to hold on as long as we could, you know, almost daily meetings with the team to, uh, you know, to, to really try and execute it if we really could, because we really felt that, you know, by July, right, mid-July, that sounds like forever from now, but I was certain that, man, that's got to be a time where everyone's kind of looking to get back into some sense of normalcy and get back into the groove and get out and see some of their friends. But, you know, we got to the point where it just, it's not as clear on what that picture looks like. And we also think really the, some of the financial and economic hardship people are kind of going through and, and everyone's got their own individual experience. That was really the most important part, but you're right. Some of the logistics, when you start looking at the, at the states we're going to go through and we weren't sure how communities or even certain businesses would perceive, you know, over 3000 people coming through, uh, and how that would how that would be acknowledged uh, 
plus or minus. So that's been a challenge. Yeah, and I can imagine that. I mean, obviously being part of it the last two years and driving with uh, Team Mini across the United States, you see the amount of organization that goes in. And I'm thinking in my head as I'm sitting back and looking at these dates approaching, here's a great event, but I keep thinking about this and keep looking at this and saying, yes, it would be a great economic stimulus, but what about those people who now just can't afford the gas to be on board? So I think a wise decision to move it, because the worst thing that could have happened is we got on top of it, and it just wasn't able to happen. And then you would have exhausted all of those resources and all of that planning for something that that wouldn't happen. So let's talk a little bit about getting this event together. It looks like from my point of view, and I'm Super good friends with the guys who put uh, this together on some levels. I talked to Karen. I talked to Rob Duda from from your agency, Andrew Cutler, the whole team that puts this together. But I only see a small slice. There is a lot of people on this event, and there's a lot of planning that goes into it. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, it starts almost literally the day after you know, the, the last mini takes a state. So it's, it's, you know, over a year of, of planning. Cause you know, we do it every two and we want to make sure that we're, you know, kind of getting different port, parts of the country involved. So we're engaging, you know, a broader portion of the, the mini community, but you're right. It's uh, we're working with some of our partners, you know, you look at uh, whether it's Michelin or Harmon, you know, who all want to be part of it. And then the charity partners that get engaged, you know, last year or two years ago, it was Feeding America. Uh, we're always very, you know, we're trying to make sure we're picking the right and most relevant and timely partners. But then, you know, this year we were going to be looking at uh, bringing everybody to our performance center in Spartanburg. So then we're kind of coordinating, you know, our resources down there, making sure we were we were really wanting to get people out on the uh, the track at our performance center. So then you're also making sure you got the right, you know, vehicles available and all the logistics. But it's just every city requires. Uh, planning with the city commissions, with you know local law enforcement. We want to make sure the roads are right. That all of a sudden, a year later, they're not planning to close that road or pave that road. It is. There's just so many variables in the whole process. It's it's uh, it's really amazing. Now, will you take Mini Takes the States 2020 and transplant it into 2021, or are you going to make some changes on the plans that you had? Well, you know, so we definitely got a lot of feedback. So you, you said you were there in 2018. I, I was there as well, actually, in my in my former capacity. And it was it was great because we had, you know, a coast-to-coast route. We got to meet in Colorado, and, and a lot of people love that. But we also realized that, you know, when you do things, and we've been primarily Western in a lot of our routes or center of the country, so this time we thought, you know what, we want to show a little bit of love to people on the East Coast. And there are some just incredible legendary roads, you know, in the areas that we picked for, for this year. So our plan is really to kind of take it and, and just recreate everything in 2021. We'll need to decide how the dates specifically work out because we need to, again, look at available properties and hotels and what other events are occurring because I think we're going to find a lot of, of brands that are moving events into 21. 
So I think that will be the only logistical challenge, but from a route and what we were planning on doing and all the other pieces, all of our other partners will remain the same going into 21. My favorite story about Mini Takes Estates, and I'll just tell this to you in the last minute, was the 2016 Mini Takes Estates. Uh, I was driving along and uh, Mini do a great thing where they have one of their service teams there to help with anybody that has any little issues or big issues and at least uh, get them to a dealer uh, because when you've got 3,000 people that join you along the route, sometimes cars break down and uh, they, they came across a guy on the side of the road and he was having trouble and they stopped and they were oh what's going on and he said you know I, I can't won't start or I can't do this and so they happened to have this very strange part in the back that he would need and uh, they replaced it and they said well we'll see you at dinner tonight and he goes dinner tonight I live around the corner <laughs> the, the mini team stopped and helped him out listen Michael I can't wait to be part of this in uh, 2021 I think it's one of the best uh, events ever and you if you think it's a big event you should really think it's a big event because i was lucky enough to do the kickoff in portland oregon uh, where we did a live tv event which 33 million people watched so that's a huge amount uh, hopefully we'll see you in 2021 yeah it's where we will be back next year we'll be in full force and and we're confident we've got a a bright future bright future ahead of us so we think this will be a really key thing for people to to get back in, get the community going again, because that's such an important part of the mini brand. Thanks, Michael. More Our Auto Expert. You're listening to Our Auto Expert. Locally created, nationally celebrated from the northwest to the southeast, this is America's Car Radio Show. If it has a throttle, we'll feature it on air, online, on mobile, or on smart speaker. This is our auto expert. I'm your host, Nick Miles, and we're here with truck girl Jen, uh, who got to drive in a truck today. You're very happy about that, right? I am. Um, often in the mornings, Jen, when I get up and I take a shower, I, uh, I have great ideas. But I always so- drive a truck. Wait. <laughs> This has nothing to do with that. I have great ideas when I have a shower. So I was having a shower the other morning and had an idea, you know. uh, FCA do this drive for design competition every year. Mm -hmm. And because a lot of kids are at home now being homeschooled, most of kids are being homeschooled. School year in New York has been canceled for the rest of the year. School in New York has been canceled for the rest of the year. Uh, So the, the kids are at home. So I had this great idea in the shower that maybe I should call Diana Gutierrez over at uh, FCA. She's the the PR cheese over there, mm-hmm. and say, hey, why didn't you do drive to design? Extend it through through for a few months because kids are off school and they could be drawing cars and submitting them for an internship at uh, FCA. And she she just sent me a note back. Already done. <laughs> Your great idea was already done. Uh, he joins us uh, when we have this competition because he is the guy who. I am most impressed with for designing mm-hmm. many of his vehicles. Mark Trossel is joining us on the phone. He's an FCA designer. Uh, Mark, uh, Drive for Design, it seems not that long ago we had this competition, but it's back again. It is. It is. And thanks for having me. It's always good to talk to you guys. Um, yeah, so this is our, our eighth year of Drive for Design uh, competition for high school students. And it, it keeps getting better for us every year. And we, we keep having more and more success with it, too, in, in reaching uh, young people and exposing them to automotive design. Looking back over the years, uh, what's memorable of any of the people that uh, you have come into contact uh, displayed uh, a flair for this beyond the competition? You know, I, I think one of the things just most recently that, that has proven to us that uh, this competition is working is that we had a winner 
five years ago from a gentleman from Ohio, and he uh, he ended up attending College for Creative Studies, and he was an intern with uh, in my studio, in my design studio this past summer, and he did such an outstanding job that we made him a permanent job offer yes. upon his graduation this year. So to me, it really shows that this process is working and connecting with, with young people. And he's got a great job lined up now as a result. So, you know, I think about this all the time. Uh, as we come through stories, it's hard to, to tell people about awesome new vehicles that are showing up. Uh, I tell people about these $300,000 cars that we love to talk about and we love to idolize because obviously there's a pandemic on board and some people can't even afford to make their car payments on the existing vehicle that they have right now. So I often try and bend these stories around COVID-19 and what's happening to the auto industry. And I called their PR guys. I called Scott Brown on the West Coast for FCA. And I said, what's going on with you guys? And he said, there's a great story about these designers now, seconded at home, who are designing but as a team. So you guys are still designing cars, but you're managing to do it and work together, even from your own homes. We are. We are. And it's uh, it's definitely been a, a, a quick learning curve for us. But we are all blown away at um how the results um you know typically we would do a a design or a sketch review of a new product or you know products we're working on for the future you know face to face in the studio um and now we're doing them in google hangouts (laughs) so it's great (laughs) we still see everyone's face uh you know the designer will present their their work and um i'm able to give you know critiques and feedback and input and we still have our you know, our electronic clay modelers where, you know, we do a lot of our surface development, um, you know, in the in the CAD world these days. So we're still able to move forward. So it's it's been pretty exciting. And uh, I think one of the things that's inter- interesting is that I think we're, we, all, we all work a lot, but I think we're actually all working even more these days <laughs> as a result of it. Uh, t- so anytime you need me to join your Google Hangouts and look at some designs, just let me know. I'd be more than happy to do it. <laughs> just, just don't ask him to sketch anything. <laughs> <laughs> I once I once drew cars with Ian Callum, who used to be the head of Jaguar Design, and he was pretty appalled at my drawing. Uh, he said, first of all, you got to have a ground to draw a car on. You can't just draw it. <laughs> anyway, but, car. Yep. Th- yeah, let's let's not get into that. Oh, let's talk about drive design uh, this time around. Where are we at? What's going on? Sure. Uh, we uh, um, Our competition this year, and, and for your listeners, uh, fcadrivefordesign.com is where all the details that I won't be able to get to uh, that can be found. But this year we're asking uh, high school students, grade 10 through 12, to design the future Ram truck for us. You know, trucks are obviously a pretty popular vehicle in the marketplace these days. So we're looking to see what do uh, young people think of the brand and where it should go. So let me ask you this question. Uh, since there's a lot of adults sitting at home with a lot to do, do you ever think about a drive for design for grown-ups like me? Oh, that'd be fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, ironically, we just did a, a project, Ralph Gilles and I just did a, an Instagram uh, mini sketch battle for Ram trucks. And um, we, we basically opened it up to every every age group, everyone throughout the world. And we had a, a whole lot of awesome submissions 
So uh, it, was a, it was a really fun project to do. Uh, um, I wish I'd got in on that. Me too. You know something, <laughs> one of the reasons that we like to watch America's Got Talent or American Idol, those things, is not for the amazing singers at the end, but it's for the horrible, horrible singers at the beginning who think they can dance <laughs> or think they can sing. That's when, mean. when are you going to show some of the horrible things? That is so mean. <laughs> I want to see some of the things that people think are a good idea. I do. Everybody wants to see this. People, people I guess to, I'm the odd one out. People want to see like, oh my God, that's terrible. When something's terrible, I just feel so bad for them. Oh. <laughs> what? Uh, what? Mark, just say, just, just send me them. Like, email me them. Some of the worst is. I promise I won't share them. Nick. With <laughs> I, I, I can't imagine. What is the? Come on, tell me one of the worst it's, things you've seen, Mark. Oh my gosh! You don't have to tell me who. Just, just yeah. like some idea that was really awful. It's probably like our well, drawings. <laughs> no, I, it's probably not so much the idea as much as it is uh, the way it was drawn. <laughs> Square wheels. <laughs> yeah, 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 that kind of thing. Oh no! All right. So, what does the winner for driver design get? When does the competition over? Tell, give us all the skinny. Sure. Uh, the competition. We want to have uh, all the submissions in by May first. Uh, our our top three winners will actually receive some Apple um, uh, sketch products, so they can continue sketching electronically. Uh, we have them come to Detroit, obviously with what's going on these days, uh, things are in flux, but the Eyes on Design car show uh, takes place typically Father's Day weekend. It's been moved to September 13th, which actually is Grandparents' Day. So we, we fly the winners in, and that show is unique because it's judged all by car designers. So we have them participate as junior judges uh, alongside professional car designers, and they get to spend... Uh, uh, day with uh, FCA design as well, and we walk them through the studio and uh, show them all the things behind the scenes. Let so me, it's a really I, good uh, project. Uh, let me come. I really want to no. come to that. I want to do it like, like we can no, do a TV segment on that, and then we can do a, like a separate segment Jen wants to go to. Yeah, then we can course. do a second separate segment on some of the worst. Or maybe what we Jen and I can draw, <laughs> and you guys could yeah, just you, slip them into the competition and see what people oh, think. I no, love that. I can't I draw. Love that. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Uh, Mark, give us the, the website again and tell us what people need to do. Sure, fcadrive4design.com. Uh, all the entries and details will be there. The entries need to be in by May 1st, and we'll announce the winners May 8th. Last quick question. Has any sketch that you've ever seen from somebody given you an idea that's ended up on a real vehicle? Uh, not yet. <laughs> but we always love the emotion and the passion that we get from uh, the from the entry. I guess legally you had to say that. <laughs> <laughs> legally you had to say that. Mark Trussell, it's always an amazing uh, time to have you on the show. Love Drive for Design. Please go enter if you're in grade 10 through 12. We can actually uh, see some of those winners. They'll be posted closer to the announcement. Um, I really want to go to this now. It sounds amazing. Coming up, there's some big news with car dealerships in Nevada, some huge displacement in Europe, and much more with Anton Warman on our auto expert you're listening to the our auto expert podcast 
Our Auto Experts on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and you can start a conversation with us, ask your questions. Thanks to all those people who have joined us now on all the social media channels. We've had a bunch of new likes and a bunch of new followers. It's O-U-R-A-U-T-O-E-X-P-E-R-T, our auto expert. Uh, Jen, your boss, thought it was H-O-U-R. Yes, our was in the hour. No, it's our auto right. expert. There's a whole story that goes behind yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. But, <laughs> but with better stories than I have to tell is a man who is an independent analyst and investor. He joins us every single week. You can read the majority of his stuff at The Street or Seeking Alpha. His name is Anton Wallman. Uh, Anton, it's uh, the other shoe is about ready to drop in the auto industry. I know I've talked to uh, a lot of my friends around the country. There's big meetings going on. Uh, looks like car companies are getting short of money and they may have to lay off people who are in jobs. We didn't expect to see that. So do you think the big drop is coming? Yeah, I think that at least for the very near term, unless there is a major change in the outlook for how the overall economy is going to generate demand for cars and trucks and SUVs, uh, I think the situation is basically going from bad to worse. I think there was some hope in the beginning, that what has transpired is going to be very temporary, and we'll see a quick snapback. And I think uh, hope on those fronts is now receding, and it's really uh, moving its way across the entire food chain of everything automotive on all aspects of the industry. We can see the independent dealers, of course, are on dire straits, and it's working itself up to the automakers themselves. You could argue that the automakers themselves are in an even worse position than the dealers because when you have a contraction of demand in the way that is happening right now, uh, you have essentially a um, an amplification effect, if you wish, on the way down because when the overall sales volumes go down, uh, the demand for newly manufactured cars go down even more because you have all of these inventories around the country. You know, before an, a dealer will reorder newly manufactured cars, they will first need to dramatically reduce the size of their inventories that are sitting on the lot. And then on top of that, in turn, you've got all of the daily rental car companies that, thanks to all of the non-existent travel that is happening right now, may have to sell off 50% or more of the rental car fleets. All of that incremental supply is competing with what would have been newly manufactured cars. So if the overall the demand of the market goes down by 50%, we may have a short-term decrease in the demand for newly manufactured cars that is way greater than that, maybe minus 80% or minus 90% for at least a handful of months. And that goes all the way back to the automakers, such as General Motors and Ford and everybody like them, in that uh, there's just no way that uh, new car production can be absorbed in the market. Uh, in the two minutes we have left, let me just ask you this to expand a little bit on that. Companies like Avis and Hertz and Enterprise Rent-A-Car, they have fleets that are sitting there not making money. They need money to survive. Are we expected those cars to be dumped into the market at extremely low prices? Exactly, Nick. That is exactly one of those follow-on effects that really comes back to haunt the automakers themselves right now. I mean, if you're sitting at, you know, you have hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of cars sitting at 
airports, each and every one of them around the country, and none of them are making money. If you're the big boss at Enterprise and Hertz and Avis, what are you going to do? Well, you're going to have to simply dump these cars at fire sale prices as quickly as possible because it'll take at least, let's say, a round number. Let's call it a year or so before we're back to, say, 80% of demand for all of these things. So you're going to, you know, at a bare minimum, you would dump at least 25% of your fleet anyway very quickly and quite possibly much more than 50% because when the time comes, you don't want these cars to just be sitting around. You can buy from the automakers fresh new cars a year or so from now, and you'll be fine. I think that a lot of people are going to look at how much money they have in the bank. They're going to think about, hey, I can only spend a certain amount of money on a car. And you, of course, like anybody else in a world of capitalism, you want to go out there and get the most you can for your dollar, make sure it goes the furthest. One of the things that tends to evaporate during hard times is loyalty because people need a good vehicle for a good price. So I expect that uh, there will be a lot of consumers out there that will be super happy about buying vehicles at a, uh, a lesser price, but ultimately uh, the car companies themselves who have brand new inventory and it costs them so much money to make those inventories and they need that money to uh, pay their staff and keep them on board, they won't be happy at that. I guess potentially there is a chance that you could run out of cars uh, in the future, but that is a long time coming. Anton, when we get back after the break, let's talk a little bit about Nevada closing their car dealerships. Is it happening anywhere else? That's as Our Auto Expert continues. You're listening to Our Auto Expert. If you're thinking about changing your vehicle, read some of the most informative car reports and see videos that have made our Fox News affiliates around the country. You can see me on those or WGN if you're in Chicago, Fox 12 in Portland, or you can see me in Seattle as well. Uh, Made some of the newest tech videos recently and the latest car information. You can download the Nation's Car Radio podcast as well at OurAutoExpert.com. He's an independent analyst and investor. He uh, He writes mostly for the street and seeking alpha he can answer many questions we hope he can answer the questions that we have set up so let's talk start off this section of the show anton Wallman, with uh, nevada closing car dealerships uh, having reopened them just two weeks ago there are other examples around the country of this happening so are they open are they closed can you service your car can you buy a new car where were we at Yeah, so what happened was that in the initial part of the draconian order that came down in Nevada, and similar orders are in effect to varying degrees in multiple states around the country, uh, basically at the very beginning they said, well, service and repair is okay, but you can't uh, have the showrooms open in any shape or form, you can't sell cars. And then uh, within a short period of time after that, what they did was that they relaxed those constraints uh, by saying that, well, you can have the showrooms open, and uh, using whatever precautions, you can sell cars. And uh, it turns out that the governor, uh, a couple of years after that, uh, just a few days ago here, decided to change his mind yet again. He said, forget about this whole thing, uh, selling cars. Uh, We can sell, of course, uh, lots of booze in the stores. The liquor stores must remain open. They must be able to sell uh, government um, uh, lotto tickets and all of that. But uh, God forbid you should try to sell a car. So... He ordered all the car dealerships in Nevada closed here just the other day. So this is the kind of uh, crazy uh, zigzagging that uh, we're trying to navigate. And, of course, it's causing a lot of harm among both consumers as well as uh, small business people, uh, not only in Nevada but elsewhere. 
I mean, the likelihood of getting something on into the dealer right now to buy a car, even if they've done most of the research online, is pretty slim because people don't want to, A, spend the money, and B, they don't want to be out in public uh, as much as possible. So is there really a thirst to buy cars in Nevada? Well, so here's the thing. You've just essentially punctured the ability of these independent dealerships to make any money whatsoever. They're all bleeding money and laying off almost all of their non-repair and service staff and, uh, you know, you would at least give them the opportunity to liquidate their existing stocks of inventories by saying, look, at least we can sell you what we've got on the lot here. And, you know, you're a plumber and you're a whatever and your car, other car broke down. Can we, you know, at least put you into something? At least you're not down 100 percent. You might be down 80 or 90 percent, but you might not be down 100 percent. And that extra cash that comes in could help you at least keep you from having to file bankruptcy in a matter of weeks. So uh, the governor of Nevada, in this case, really foreclosed on that ability to at least keep the few souls that are out there and really need or want to buy a car no matter what because they have a pressing need for whatever reason to do so. And uh, this is really horrifying for all of these independent dealerships. Do those people in Nevada have any recourse apart from the ballot box? Well, that's the thing. You would think that the ACLU would be running straight into the courthouse and all the way up to the United States Supreme Court and say, uh, we want to file a temporary restraining order or some sort of injunction against all of these things, that this is clearly not commensurate with whatever laws, including the U.S. Constitution itself. But lo and behold, they haven't done so, and maybe others are. But so far at this point, this is an enormous power grab by uh, locals and state and county authorities around the country to essentially deprive uh, people of their uh, livelihoods. All right, let's turn to the next question on the list. There are huge discrepancies in Europe car sales, the European car sales. For example, uh, sales carry on in Norway and the Netherlands, but are just about zero in Spain. So each country is treating this differently and having different results as far as the car sales are concerned. Exactly, Nick. We're seeing enormous discrepancies here in uh, March and April, and we haven't really seen all the data yet because keep in mind that uh, some of these countries do not report daily sales and some do, but it is clear that there's an enormous divergence going on between some countries that are basically saying, look, whatever else is going on, you can sell cars, you can buy them, don't worry about it. And then other countries where there there is this these enormous draconian panic like um, uh, lockdowns that are keeping people from buying and selling cars. So in that latter category, we've had clearly a country like Spain, which has been unusually hard hit by this virus. And then you have a couple of other countries like Norway and the Netherlands, where uh, both the virus impact has been small and they've kept. Uh, the car business open. So when I look at the daily data that is coming in, Nick, from countries like Netherlands and Norway, you can see a slight decline. There's no question about the fact that there's a little bit of a decline, but we're not even talking about 30, 40%. I mean, we're talking about something that looks a lot closer to, you know, let's call it 20% or so in terms of a haircut from the kind of sales rate that they were having going into March. So uh, clearly there's an enormous difference here across Europe in terms of what's going on. Let's talk about the big automakers in the United States, automakers such as Ford and General Motors. They say they only have cash for another 15 uh, weeks or so until they would hit the maximum uh, viable number. Uh, Does this mean that these companies are in trouble and that bad things could happen? 
Absolutely, Nick. You may recall back in 2008 or so, GM filed for bankruptcy in the early 2009 when they had about, I think it was $15 billion of net cash in the bank. So with the way it works among these companies that have an enormous set of payables and accrued liabilities and just an enormous amount of yeah, money that moves, gets moved around in terms of cash flow, you can't run a company like a Ford or GM with just a handful of billions of dollars because you have to order billions of dollars in steel and uh, other supplies, and you have it's such an enormous flow that if your cash net cash balance starts to approach ten fifteen billion dollars, you're basically bankrupt. And if you know, unless you have some other ways of you know getting new financing or a government bailout or equivalent, of course. But if you don't have that, then you had better start to prepare for for an outright bankruptcy filing. So what I envision is that within days from now, not weeks, but days from now that unless the automakers can get some comfort of a turnaround and you can have a strictly a financial turnaround in terms of a literally a government bailout of some sort, whether that's a grant or a loan or something else, or uh, a change in the actual economic environment where the government comes out and says, look, uh, we've had these lockdowns, but guess what? They're ending in a couple of weeks. So we can see the end of these lockdowns that have really uh, curtailed people's ability to buy and sell cars. So, Something has to happen here within less than a week from now. Otherwise, if I'm the board of directors at General Motors or Ford, I have a fiduciary responsibility to the creditors and to the shareholders to really start uh, looking at what a what a liquidation would look like and a bankruptcy filing of some sort. And uh, you're going to see some horrific headlines unless they can uh, uh, turn this around here with before we record next week's show, Nick. Uh, let's talk about how this will happen. So there'll be step by step by step. What's the first uh, stage, and then where do we think it goes from there? Is it layoffs? Well, there's, or what will there's we... really only, well, the layoffs is part of it, but there's really one financial step in terms of the mechanics that uh, the way that these things happen. You have to uh, essentially get something called debtor in finance, debtor in possession financing. So what you're essentially doing in in the case of of, of uh, preparing for a bankruptcy here is that you would essentially go to the credit markets and say, look, uh, we understand that the equity holders are effectively going to be wiped out, barring uh, a magic term around here so we're going to secure another pick a number 10 15 20 billion dollars maybe more in debt financing that that if there is no turnaround in the next 15 to 17 weeks then basically the equity holders get substantially wiped out completely the the share prices of these companies like a gm or ford would essentially go to zero and the people that have supplied the debt would then own the company at that point. That is the only way that this thing will happen as a practical matter if there is no turnaround here in the short run and if there is no government bailout. But you can imagine, Nick, that if there's a government bailout, you remember the enormous uh, political situation we had back in late 2008 and early 2009 when people were complaining about these government bailouts that the government basically didn't uh, squeeze these companies hard enough. So you can imagine clearly that there will be demands that the government will squeeze out every piece of juice, every drop of juice from these uh, shareholders if the government were to step in and provide uh, financing of that nature. 
All right, so uh, hopefully that uh, won't get there. But just a reminder that Ford were the only company that didn't actually take that bailout the last time around. And hopefully that not all of the big American companies would have to take the bailout to keep going. I know that friends of mine at a Japanese automaker are holding their breath because they're expecting to get laid off next week. And that may happen even for some of the most senior positions. Now, let's talk about some of the other stuff, the new car production. Uh, you know, obviously dealers not selling vehicles. Is there any hope that new car production will get back and start factories again even after people like vw laid off of their 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 workers this week well clearly we have a considerable wide range of potential outcomes here nick in terms of uh the psychology in the market and will you know people come back and buy cars but i think if you're an automaker you have to prepare for the worst and as we talked about earlier nick before the break you have this enormous compression on the way down just like you would have an expansion on the way up that is that is that amplifies the situation right so all of these reductions in demand will lead to all of these other sources of supply whether it's from rental car companies or just the dealer inventories competing with the new car production that that works against you as an automaker on the way down. It will, will of course, work in your favor going up because if the economy were to come back, come roaring back here, whether that happened 6 or 12 or 18 or 24 months ago, whenever, whenever it occurs, then that whole compression starts to expand and essentially be the reverse. And then, of course, the demand would be higher than the actual consumer demand. But that is not likely what we're seeing here, Nick, in the next three or six months, because this is playing itself out on the way down right now. So we could clearly see new car um, sales in the U.S. You know, really decrease from even the worst lowest case scenarios i think the lowest numbers that i've seen in any forecasts right now are like between 11 and a half and 12 million new vehicles sold this year and i think uh, there's a distinct potential that in the short term here the sales rate could go even lower than that even below about 9 million units per year which would be an absolutely uh historical low in modern times all right. In the minute we have left, the only bright spot seems to be China. Uh, hopefully they have made permanent changes and are starting to go back to work in parts of China. Uh, does it look like they're back on track? Well, it certainly looks like that, Nick. I mean, they're not uh, back at 100% of the level where they were, and but they're back above 50%. I think they're approaching about the 80% mark in terms of being back. And uh, now that's still not 100%, but uh, by golly, did that go faster than people had expected back in the last week of January when they were first to really hit hard with this thing and they started closing down all of these plans. So uh, China is really, as it stands right now, the only bright spot in terms of overall production and demand. Now, we have these countries in Europe where, uh-huh. you know, there haven't been uh, all that many big lockdowns like we talked about earlier in uh-huh. Netherlands and Norway and so forth. But that's consumption and not production. In China, you actually have both. Right. Okay. Anton Warman, thank you so much for joining us. You can read the majority of his stuff at the street or seekingalpha.com. He's an independent analyst and investor, and he's always available to answer your questions. One of the most intelligent men that I know. Uh, if you'd like to read more about our auto expert, you can go to the website, O-U-R-A-U-T-O-E-X-P-E-R-T.com. Find us on social media and download this podcast because we'd love for you to listen to it and many others on our website. You've been listening to Our Auto Expert with Nick Miles. Find all the show episodes at ourautoexpert.com. Please follow us on all social media, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Our Auto Expert. And message us for a...
quick and witty response. 